Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Once again, joined by my esteemed Deputy Editor, John Dixon. John, I got to tell you, happy June. Congratulations on your trailer. I know that's got to be very exciting for you. We'll be moving to Nomadland soon. Okay. (laughs) Reporting on the Chiefs from various (laughs) national parks in the country it seems like well i don't know if, i don't know if we'll go that far but okay. we will be we will be out on weekends a lot more and uh, so there will be some some telecommuting there yeah okay a true mountain man yeah that means you got to really grow the beard back out i think <laughs> well it's starting right now but that's not deliberate i just haven't taken the time to shave for a few days what can i tell you i like i like the scruff i think it's a good look i cannot go without a beard because my profile looks too weird when I don't have a beard, it's like my my mouth drops off. So uh, that's why I always keep the beard here. Okay, enough beard talk, right? You guys are here to hear about the Kansas City Chiefs. On this show, we will go through the latest in the news of the Chiefs. So a couple big quotes from your quarterback from the weekend and much more. In segment two, we'll go back to the Thursday press conferences. I always say this, if you want to hear the press conferences in full, you can. It is the Arrowhead Pride from the podium. It's on this channel. And if you really want to dig deep into what Andy Reid, Orlando Brown, Tyron Matthew, Anthony Hitchens said, that's on this channel. But what we do here in segment two is we're going to highlight the five quotes that really matter to me and we'll explain why. And in our final segment, with it being June 1, it changes the game in a sense, for free agency. And we'll explain what that means. And we'll talk about some former Chiefs still out there, some big names still out there, and we'll pick who makes the most sense. And so that'll be a fun little game we'll play. Probably more fun than last week's game. I don't even remember what I called it, but I'm workshopping the name. So it doesn't matter what the old name (laughs) of it is. Before we get started, got to remind you guys, please rate and review us. Every review helps. We'd love to hear what you think. We're going to start a new thing. If you review us on iTunes. So I'm skewing for iTunes a little bit here. So I'm sorry about that. But if you review us on iTunes and it's something that we like, we will read it on the show. So please do that. And five stars is preferable, but I'll, I'll take anything. If you really don't like the show, leave one star and I'll read that too. Whatever. I would just, we just want to see more ratings and reviews. All right, let's get started on the news. And first, we go to Patrick Mahomes, and he was not at OTAs on Thursday, and it's because he was in Hawaii at the 15 and Mahomes Golf Charity Tournament. But he did some media while he was there via Bleacher Report, and this has been turning heads 
uh, this morning as we get away from Memorial Day weekend. The only record I have my eyes that I'm breaking, which would be it'd be new this year, going twenty and zero. Okay. You know, it's not that's not a really a record to be broken, I guess you'd say. But I, I think nineteen and zero is the record right now. So being able to go twenty and zero, be the first one to do that, that'd be awesome. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but the record is not nineteen and zero, right? Because the Dolphins, when they did it, didn't they win fourteen games in the regular season? The final record of that season was seventeen zero and zero. Back in those days, you kept track of ties. Uh, well, you do down too, but there just aren't very many. But the Dolphins won 17 games that season. 14 right. in the regular season, three postseason. I hate myself because I just turned into what I hate, which is corrector guy, and I just corrected <laughs> the MVP quarterback of the Chiefs. But I, I think we all know what he means. He is ready to be yeah, the first the, team ever with 20 wins. But the Patriots won 19 a few Eight, years ago. 18. Yeah. They won. Is it, was it 18? 18, okay. and we're yeah. going for 19, and then but they, lost. But they didn't make the undefeated season, which is right. why they, the Dolphins can continue to drink champagne uh, yes. as they do every year when they're. Which when is rude, considering they did only yeah. win 17 games. Right. I mean, it's, it's right. much harder now, especially, and, I think, with the 20th game. Think about winning 20 games and losing zero. Yeah, that's it'd be it'd be amazing to pull off. And you know, people don't mention this very often. It's not I'm not gonna say the Dolphins of that season weren't a good team, but they also played a much weaker schedule than most teams did that year. And okay. uh, and that and that enters into it. Now, I don't think the Chiefs have that issue this year. I think they're gonna be playing a fairly tough schedule. At least it's a it's above average tough. So it's gonna be even harder for the Chiefs to pull it off. But if they can, um, you know, what a record it would be. Oh man. Well, there's some high variance here. They are playing the NFC East coming off the worst worst year of a division in yeah. NFL history. So they'll play some easy teams, but there's also some difficulty right. built in. Like that Mahomes is saying this, I mentioned this to you off air, and all I'll say is I don't think this quote would be coming through in Kansas City for various reasons. <laughs> I think he is at his own golf tournament, enjoying the sun, feeling loose. I said on the radio this morning, it reminded me of when he was on stage at the parade and yeah. we understand that he had a few pops in him and he said, my knee was on the side of my leg and we still won the Super Bowl. He threw humility out the window, which is, I love that type of quote. <laughs> and this I think falls into that category. Sure. I don't, I don't think he's guaranteeing or, or saying he's going after, I should say a 20 and 0 season. If he's doing this press conference on zoom locally, but I love it. Uh, he also talked about Aaron Rodgers, John, and I'll read the quote here. To have that challenge, and this is talking about Aaron Rodgers potentially to a Denver Broncos or a Las Vegas Raiders, to have that challenge two times a year, every single year, would be a great, great opportunity. I mean, he's a heck of a football player. He's been doing it for a long time that I've watched play and learned a lot from. But definitely, if he came to the AFC West, it would just make it a little tougher for us. But we're up to the challenge. John, your reaction? Well, of course he's up to the challenge. Of course he welcomes that competition. This is who we're talking about. This is the guy that loves yeah. to get you know in that kind of a battle. Uh, he he lives for this stuff. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. And my goodness, what a game it would be twice a year to have Mahomes and Rogers facing off. Uh, everybody, that'd be an instant watch for everybody in the NFL. I think. I try to take any kind of bias out of here. I know we do the Arrowhead Pride podcast, but if you're the Denver Broncos or the Las Vegas Raiders and you are not heavily considering a way to get Aaron Rodgers, I know that there's been some question marks as to whether Green Bay would actually do this deal. There is a little bit of a stalemate factor there. Would Aaron Rodgers sit out if they absolutely refuse to trade him? But 
if they come around and they are willing to move him, and especially it's an NFC team that is not going to want to trade him to the NFC, you have to be involved. Your quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke on one team and Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota on the other. Aaron Rodgers changes the game. He's coming off an MVP season. And yeah, he's 37. So let's give him two or three more years. You're suddenly a competitive team against Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has beaten you twice a year, no matter what the rest of your team looks like, if you're going with the quarterbacks that are currently on your roster, in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the, the Broncos were successful with Peyton Manning taking this same approach, but it didn't help them over the long term because they didn't they didn't draft for the position. You know, they didn't build for the position. And I think that's what they're trying to do now. So I don't know. It just it's so tempting to go after a player like this and win now and and do that. And then you end up with another problem down the road. And of course, Oak, uh, excuse me, Las Vegas, not Oakland. <laughs> Uh, it's going to take me a long time to break myself with that. A lot of us, a lot of us are there, John. Right. But, uh, you know, they've got so many other problems. I, I, I really wonder, uh, how long Gruden and Mayock are going to last out there. I mean, I, I didn't like that the Raiders hired a guy who'd made his, his mark as a television draft analyst to be their general manager. I thought, you know, how desperate do you have to be to do something like that? And then initially he did okay, but, you know, over the years since then, I just feel like he has not shown really an ability to be a good NFL GM. And he really needed to be because Gruden just does not have a good draft record uh, in the teams with which he's been associated previously. And, they're, and they're take, just, they, they take some risks every year. They and do. sometimes yeah. or most times it, it hasn't worked out. And then even this year with Leatherwood, if you go and, and look at draft grades, and I know and I understand that draft grades are draft grades. We don't know in hindsight's 2020, and we'll see. I think that is fair to say. But everybody were, was like, and, and this is where it sticks out to me, because regardless of the grade, whatever, people were like, you could have gotten Leatherwood in the second round. Like, that yeah. is the, that's mm-hmm. the chatter around the league. And so... It's just that disconnect between the value and do they have the right people in place? And it's really to what you're saying, John. Yes, they are football men, but it's two guys that really made their name on Mayock and Gruden on television. By the way, I just pulled up one of my favorite websites on the internet, and I recommend that you go and look at it. I don't know who made it, but it's isgrudengonyet.com. <laughs> Big no. <laughs> I, I clicked on it while you were talking, John. It has a running clock. <laughs> there are six years, 32 weeks, two days, two hours, 29 minutes of Gruden left as of this recording. <laughs> as we're recording here, it's about 1030 on June 1st. And he's made 31 bucks since I arrived not too long ago. <laughs> he's made 34 million in total and he's still owed $65 million. So hard to get rid of that guy. Quite a commitment again to oh, someone my. that... He won a Super Bowl with another man's team, made a lot of jokes on television, and then you bring him back into the mix. So there you go. John Gruden and the Raiders. I, I would certainly be calling Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. If they, they're I was, capable of doing anything over there. You yeah. Know? And you're right. They, they, that's been their calling card is taking a big swing. And, uh, you know, that's what, they, that, that's what they see Leatherwood as. And I just see it as a big reach. 
had they not taken the big swing on Antonio Brown, we wouldn't have the famous helmet story where he tried right. to paint right. his Steelers helmet black. <laughs> oh, one of the best stories <laughs> in the history of the NFL. All right, let's move on. I've had enough talking about the Raiders and the Broncos. Let's catch up on last week. John, you did a nice roundup for us. Three former Chiefs signed elsewhere. You had tight end Ricky Seals-Jones to the Washington football team, wide receiver to Jay Sharp to the Atlanta Falcons, and then offensive lineman Patrick Amame to the Las Vegas Raiders. No big surprises here. Kind of yeah. blips on the radar and just, to me, obvious players who simply weren't making the 2021 version of the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And and it's, uh, I mean, they weren't big losses. I mean, you know, Seals Jones was active for just a couple of games last year. Yeah. Although uh, two of them were in the postseason. Um, Sharp had not had only been signed as a reserve future player. We were seeing him as a guy that would uh, be depth anyway. And apparently the Chiefs felt that they made enough moves in the draft that they didn't need him. And Omame, uh, you know, another guy that we just had on the practice squad last year, never took a, a snap in a Chiefs uniform. Um, but, you know, what's very interesting to me, uh, the biggest name that has not been signed to another team is Austin Ryder. I think yeah. that's very odd. You know, here's a guy who played pretty well as a center for the Chiefs last year. I think they made him an offer, a relatively inexpensive contract. And he said, no, I think I'd like to, you know. Test the waters, yeah. Yeah, get a better deal elsewhere, which is fine. I totally get that. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that another team hasn't uh, – you know, giving him a better offer where he could find work someplace. I, I just, I just find that surprising that players like these three have found someplace to land and a guy who rated pretty well as a starting center last season. I mean, not perfect. I'm not saying he is, but you'd think he could find a job. It's very surprising to me. It could be one of those players who would benefit from some kind of injury happening along the offensive line in training camp, which I think sure. is, is possible. And, we may see Ryder with another team at that point. It doesn't make sense for any offensive lineman who's fringe to come to the Chiefs. And that is why you see Omame going to the Raiders. I, there's no real window. I, I had talked about Andrew Wiley on this program where it's a question mark if he will make this team. And this is a guy who started a lot of games for the Chiefs over the last three years. So Jay Sharp. The wide receiver room in Kansas City right now reminds me of the running back room in most years where there's a clown car of options <laughs> to play wide receiver for the Chiefs. And Sharp was really the definition of a lottery ticket. And just he had an opportunity, was on the practice squad for the Chiefs, never was able to break through. Ricky Seals-Jones is interesting to me. I think in a regular non-COVID year where we were allowed in the locker room, we might have found out more about what was going on with Ricky Seals-Jones. Never could really seem to break the active roster consistently. And it was a position of need. There was no clear tight end two on this team. And now you have Noah Gray in the mix. Does not make sense to have RSJ here uh, for any longer. So there you go. Three former Chiefs signing elsewhere. The Ryder point was good. Another big name that's out there is Le'Veon Bell. I think mm -hmm. that he'll probably catch on with the team now that it's June 1. We can talk more about that a little bit later. And Bashad Breland as well. Another one. that Breland, yeah. We talked yeah. about Breland last week, but that to me is is the obvious one. I think he's just 
trying to make as mo- much money as possible. And we'll see if the Chiefs end up giving it to him. Uh, Tyron Matthew, we didn't pull this quote, but Tyron Matthew said he talks to Bashad Breeland a lot and would love to see him back in Kansas City. Interesting dynamic right now between the team and Tyron Matthew from pictures and whatnot and reports. He is at voluntary OTA, so no worries about that. But there's some interesting, I don't know, I would say talks and I wouldn't call it necessarily a rift, but you could tell there's a little bit of a disconnect between uh, the honey badger and the chiefs right now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's good that he's at the voluntary sessions though, because right. it'd be real easy for him to, to stay out of those. And it just shows the kind of guy he is and why the chiefs value him and why I think they, they need to get him re-signed to another deal, not a long-term one, but one that'll keep him here for another two or three years. I think I think he's worth worth the shot. Two coaching hires came through last week. LaDamian Washington, a former Missouri wide receiver, hashtag M-I-Z. And then Katie Sowers, who was last with the San Francisco 49ers in 2020. If you can't beat him, join him, Katie. Thank you. So you'll be here. Uh, join the team for the offseason through the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Program. The program uses NFL's clubs as training camps, off-season workout programs, and mini camps to give coaches an opportunity to observe, participate, gain experience, and eventually get a full-time NFL coaching position for current and former NFL coaches, including Hugh Jackson, Marvin Lewis, Anthony Lynn, and Mike Tomlin have benefited from Bill Walsh Fellowship. So a little unclear here if they will be with the team because they were self-announced Uh, Usually the team will come out with a little bit more clarity once they have a full list of who will be the fellows for the year, but they'll be at least, it seems like for the off season program. And we'll see if that bleeds into training camp. And then sometimes these turn into hires either for the year or down the road. So good opportunities for both Washington and Sowers here, John. Well, and and everyone's worked up because Sowers is a woman and I don't see that as a big problem. I mean, either she's qualified for the job or she's not. And in fact, I think the bar is a lot higher for a woman at this point. And that isn't fair, but that's the way it is. You know, you in order to to make it on an NFL team, you're going to have to be a little better than the next person. Sure. And uh, so that tells you something that he was she was able to do that in San Francisco and it didn't work out over the longer term for whatever reason. I'm, you know, it happens. You know, coaches move on. And uh, so we're going to see if uh, she'll fit in with the Chiefs during the offseason, and maybe she'll get a job uh, down the road. Maybe she won't. But in the meantime, uh, you know, she's back with her home team, which I think is kind of cool. Right. Yeah, she hails from a town called Heston, Kansas, which I don't really know a ton about, but certainly from the area, attended University of Central Missouri. She played. My hometown. There we go. She played. To your point, John, quarterback and defensive back in the Women's Football Alliance for eight years. That's yeah. so many more years than a lot of coaches in the NFL. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it about her not knowing the game of football. <laughs> Todd Haley. <laughs> and then last did a lot of work with the wide receivers on San Francisco. But again, you have Washington, who was a former wide receiver. So we'll see where Katie is. Her emphasis is with the Chiefs, but I think she's going to learn a lot from Andy Reid, who has 20 years in the game. Certainly Eric Bieniemy, who's been a head coaching candidate now for, for three years. So I'm excited to see her progress as a coach. I'm glad that the Chiefs brought her on in Washington, too. I'm a big fan of the Bill Walsh diversity program. Right. So Yeah, it's cool. All right, some some league news to just discuss here quickly and until we move on. 
The NFLPA and the NFL have agreed on a new salary cap ceiling for 2022. So next year, it'll be $208.2 million, which if it reaches that number, would be a more than $25.7 million bump up across the league from 2021. This year, it's 182. The Chiefs had $6 million or so rolled over. So they were at 188. That's been an emphasis for the Chiefs. They want to roll over as much cap as they can. They're always trying to do that to give them flexibility for future years. So we'll see where it lands. But I can see the excitement. John, I actually went to the Sporting KC game the other night, and it was full capacity for the first time in Kansas City, and it was nuts. I think it's just a, I know it's just a soccer game in Kansas City, and we're talking about the NFL. But I just think what I saw on what was Saturday night is what we're going to see across the country with the NFL and things opening up. People have been so cooped up for so long. People love NFL football anyway. There are sellouts anyway. I think they're going to get to $208 million with the ticketing, with just the obsession with football, with the gambling now into mix, with merchandise and with sales at the stadium, concessions and whatnot. And then any rollover will go to paying back some of the things that they had to do to make 2021 possible uh, for the coronavirus year. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about the way this has been covered is that it's assumed that they will make that ceiling. And you're right. There's a very good chance that they will because people are so tired of being cooped up. I think I think you're right that uh, NFL is going to be a hot ticket this year. People are going to be worked up to get back out to these games and get back to some kind of normal. So I think there is a very good chance that they'll reach this ceiling. But it's, it, you know, it's important because this isn't being covered very much. Uh, to know what's what the ceiling is. It's weird to have a set floor one year followed by a set ceiling the next year. But the reason for this is that part of what they did to uh, make the it possible to have a season last year was that they suspended payments into a player's uh, benefit program, a long-term right. benefit program. And so any money, they'll go ahead and figure the salary cap like they always do based on the previous year's revenue. That is the coming season. And then if it's over this ceiling of $208.2 million, they will use whatever they have over that amount to repay what they withheld in 2020. Now, they're supposed to do that by 2023, so if they go over the ceiling this year, which seems like a strong possibility, they'll be ahead of schedule on getting that squared away and putting all of the baggage of the pandemic, the 2020 season behind us, which is a good thing, an excellent thing. What's that quote to millionaires are millionaires because they find a way to save money? Well, yeah. billionaires, you could say the same thing. Sure. And the billionaires yeah. were never going to front this bill in the long term. Right. They were going to somehow recoup this money. And long story short, this is the means. These are the details yeah. of how they're doing it over the next three years. And guess what? It really seems like they're going to get all their money back. <laughs> like right. It doesn't yeah. seem like they're going to end up losing over the three-year period any money at all. So there you go. Speaking of NFL owners, they also approved a 90-man roster to start training camp. Remember, it was 80 last year to 
help with safety precautions and whatnot. There'll be cuts to 85 on August 17th, 80 on August 24th, and 53 on August 31. This would usually take place over the weekend with another preseason game to go. But now that there's only three preseason games, these cuts happen the Tuesday after your one preseason game. So that makes actually a lot more sense. And I know that Ian Rappaport of NFL Network commented this is a little inside baseball, a little inside football, but it helps reporters and personnel men alike not have to work through what is Labor Day weekend, which is usually the end of summer, a time when you want to get with family. So there's a lot of improvements made to this. There's been a lot of Saturdays, I believe, during Labor Day weekend where I'm like, wow, I can see that all my friends are out at the pool and at barbecues. And here I am waiting for the Chiefs to release their 53-man roster. <laughs> well, now it'll happen during the week as always it's all about us it's uh, absolutely us. Yeah. yeah no without a doubt there's yeah. there's there's not i'm not thinking about anyone else when i talk about it. but i actually like it I, I think it makes a lot of sense though yeah i do too and, and i think one of the things that makes sense about it is that they'll have 12 days of practice with the actual final roster right. before the opening game of the season and i think there's some value in that now i'm very interested to see how teams are going to handle the three preseason games um, you know, the, the, because the, most teams have that last preseason game as the scout team game, right? Where they're going to throw all these, these rookies out there with their last chance. But I'm not sure that's a good idea now because it'll be three weeks between the second preseason game and the opening of the season. And right. you're not going to want to have your veterans not having any games for three weeks. I think you're going to want to have them out there in that third game. So I'll be very interested to see how uh, teams handle this new schedule because I'm sure some of them will handle it different than others. Uh, you make up a good point. I, I think if I had to guess, very interesting point. I, I think if I had to guess, I think Andy Reid – plays the starters one final time week two and she uses week three to try to get value up for his reserves so the Chiefs can flip them for possible compensation. Like I think about the reserve offensive linemen, there are going to be offensive linemen that can be on the 53 man roster for mm. another club. So try to get them some real film out there. So maybe you can flip those for like a fifth or a sixth, but it is an interesting point. I don't know if you're going to want to have Mahomes and Kelsey and the, that crew on ice for three straight weeks before they played the Cleveland Browns. You know, that being said, Andy Reid benches them when there are two or three weeks between the regular season and the playoffs because of the bye week. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Uh, but I'll tell you this whatever Andy Reid decides, he is going to do it for the rest of time because he does not break his routine <laughs> once he has it set in place. Well, I think, that, you know, again, I think there will be some teams that do it differently than others this year. And, you know, we've had this four season preseason for a four game preseason for quite a while. Right. And it, and it finally became a custom that this is how you do it, that the guys are playing, you know, scout teams are playing against each other in that fourth game. Yeah. And so it's wide open now. And, and who knows how various teams are going to do it. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do. And I think you're right. You know, if Andy Reid does it a certain way this year and there isn't some complete unmitigated disaster in week one, then I think that's what we'll see him do f from now on. I agree. He's, he is a creature of habit. There's no doubt about that. Speaking of it being all about us, 
there's nothing worse than preseason games. Remember the game where Matt Nagy brought his Bears in and they just didn't play anybody and the Chiefs were playing their starters and Chase Daniels slicing and dicing the Chiefs starters and you're like, this season's going to be... And then the Chiefs just made the playoffs again. There was nothing to worry about. So that is a classic preseason story that ends our new segment. When we come back, we will talk about the quotes to know from the first Chiefs media availability. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, the 1st of June, the first editor show of June. John, it's our 51st episode. I did not even realize last time as we were recording that it was our 50th episode. So happy half century to you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, We are right into uh, OTAs here, and we got to speak to some of the Chiefs last week, including Andy Reid. And the most important question right now is with Patrick Mahomes and his turf toe. If you saw some clips from Bleacher Report over the weekend with him golfing, I think there's little to worry about. I understand golf is a very different sport from football, but it seems like he's okay. Andy Reid pretty much confirmed that last Thursday. Yeah, he's been doing everything. So he's, uh, you know, been full go and um, he's still working with Rick and his, with the toe and, and that. So we utilize this as a passing, more of a passing camp. You know, we don't run the ball much in this thing. So um, it's good, good that way. And his toe's really done well. As far as we knew before this, Brett Veach had been doing the rounds and essentially saying that Patrick Mahomes would do, and I quote, some stuff through OTAs. And this, I think, is a little bit of a correction on that, in a sense, where he's doing everything. And remember, when you're in the offseason, the quarterbacks are wearing the yellow jerseys for a reason. Nobody's coming close to touching any of these guys. And the fact that they're not really running and they're passing, you can understand why Patrick Mahomes is doing everything. Remember, when he's there, we know for a fact that he was there on Tuesday. A little bit unclear if he was there on Wednesday considering he was in L.A. for the game on on Tuesday night, and we know for sure he wasn't there Thursday. So you wonder if they're saying, okay, you do a little bit, and then we'll come back next week again. You got to remember this is also voluntary. But when Patrick Mahomes is on the field, he is doing everything asked of him. Right, and you got to like that. Uh, but, you know, the they're going to be as cautious with him as they can be. He is the franchise Right, and uh, the the problem is always uh, keeping him from doing more than they want him to, and uh, you know Rick Burkholder is still keeping a close eye on him. Reed's remarks made that clear. So they're doing everything they should, doing their due diligence, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm I give my approval. Switching to the defensive side of the football, and we'll stick with Andy Reed here. This was a very interesting quote about Jaron Reed, asked by Nate Taylor of the Athletic. And I want you to pay special attention as you listen here for when Andy Reid mentions Chris Jones. Here's Andy Reid on Jaron Reid. Uh, Reid, I, I like. I, I mentioned before, he doesn't spell his name quite right, but he, he sure plays right. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, he. I, we're, we're always talking about the offensive line, but that signing right there was a, a really good get. Um, and I think will pay off for us in a, in a real big way uh, this season. Um it gives us some flexibility what we can do with Chris and and um and and so it's you know there it I, I, li- I like that addition. I mean you're talking about a Pro Bowl caliber player um uh, and just plugging him in and, and not much has been said about it and I, I'm I'm excited to see him once we, we kick this thing off. 
It gives us some flexibility with what we can do with Chris Jones. So I like that addition. That's a huge statement. Andy Reid always understands media. He understands what he's saying. He's not going to say that unless there is a push, legitimate push, where Chris Jones is going to be much more of an edge player in 2021. And I'm excited by that. Chris Jones has been wanting to play more of the edge position, really, I think, since he became a defensive tackle for the Chiefs. He loves pass rushing. He made this funny quote about sacks last year where he said, sacks are everything, sacks, 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 it's all about sacks. Thanks, Chris Jones, for giving us a laugh. But what I, I, I think, you, you know, you start to think about the line and you hear Andy Reid saying this, in the base, across, that gives you Frank Clark, Derek Nadi, who's a pretty damn good player we don't talk about enough, Jaron Reed, and because your interior is so good there and you have depth and Turk Wharton and Colin Saunders, where's the need? You finally have a need and you finally have the backups to push Jones out. And I think that's going to be big, especially for this year. And let's see what Jones can do on the outside consistently. Well, there's been a lot of talk about this where it seems like, oh, well, we're going to be, you know, Chris Jones is going to be playing on the edge all the time. And I don't think that's true. Right. I think they're going to use him more than right. they did. I think that's clear from more flexibility with Chris Jones. I think that's what Reed was saying, but a lot of people took that to, to mean, oh yeah, he's going to be playing defensive end all the time. No, he's not, but he's going to be playing it more where he's been pretty effective. And I think you're, you're, you've got it right on the head there that uh, because they've got people who can back up those interior slots now that it'll give them a, a little more, uh, a few more options in the kinds of looks that they can throw opposing offenses, which is always good with Steve Spagnuolo. This and, is what Steve Spagnuolo loves. Right. And, do that. Yeah. Well, John, that's what I was going to actually lead you to. You do the snap counts for us, right? Even yeah. the best players along the defensive line, Steve Spagnuolo loves a rotation. I mean, you're looking right. at what, 68 to 75-ish percent, yeah. even for guys like Frank Clark on certain right. Sundays. Yeah, they rarely play more than three quarters of the snaps. Yeah. And so, so say it's a seven or eight, man rotation. I got a Syracuse hat on today. Shout out Jim Beheim who loves the seven or eight man rotation, but seven <laughs> or eight man rotation along the defensive line. The, the legs are constantly fresh. Right. And I think that is a, a good thing uh, for these players too. And, and man, you think about Reed is a street is a, is a low key underrated signing. Cause he's a star. Absolutely. Frank yeah. Clark, Chris Jones, you're talking about one-on-ones. And let's say you put Chris Jones back in the interior and Taco Charlton or Mike Dana takes another step, you are in pretty good shape along the defensive line. I, and I, I do want to make this point as well. I think the personnel staff deserves credit on being able to sign Reed because it was the patients with Trent Williams that offered them the ability to do that. Yeah. So by not over-pursuing and overpaying Trent Williams, you had the money for Reed and then somehow, some way, Orlando Brown becomes available. And for 2021, you have him on that rookie discount. You might have to franchise tag him next offseason, but that's when Jaron Reed comes off the books. And maybe by that time, Kando is ready. So you really start to see, as you put everything together, the cycle and what the personnel staff is thinking, not only for this season, but on a year-to-year -year basis. Right. And, and um I think Reed was right. It hasn't been talked about enough. You know, this is a, it kind of happened in between other things and all the focus was on the offensive line. And I think that's why he made a point to bring it up in response to that question was because he feels like this has been a big, big move the Chiefs have made that's going to help them on the defense. 
And the people who are clamoring for a new edge player for the Chiefs, um, you know, they're worried about the depth that the team has on the edge, and that's a fair concern. But I think what Andy Reid was saying was it's maybe not as big a concern as you might think it is. And right. I think that's what we can take from this. Gut check time for Colin Saunders, who I think right. found his way out of a job because of an undrafted free agent last year, really needs to come to training camp and I think with something to prove. And John, right? Shout out to Austin Edwards, the D2, yeah. D2 what, play, <laughs> defensive player of the year. We'd be remiss not to mention yeah. the great Austin Edwards. Okay. Let's let's move on to our, our next sound here. And that is Orlando Brown speaking about the offensive line coach heck. And as he goes on with the sound, listen to him discuss as he's transitioning from the Ravens offense. Coach Heck is great, man. Uh, he's an incredible coach. Uh, he understands the X's and O's. Uh, he, he's played the game. He's been around the game for a long time, so he knows. Uh, he's, he's super easy to, to get along with and, and learn. Um, you know, I've been, been in Baltimore for the last three years, so there's certain things. I guess you could say I'm wired a certain way on certain things, and I'm unwiring and learning, learning his new techniques and, and certain things that he's teaching. I think is going to be incredible for my game. You know, we call that, that is a little hidden shade that Orlando Brown is throwing at the Ravens. <laughs> it's half hidden shade at the offensive line coach, it seems like to me, where he's trying to unwire and relearn new techniques. But in the grand scheme as well, and I think this is something we have to admit in that, the Ravens' offense is the one of the most unique offenses in football. And I know people will say, well, what about Andy Reid? Yeah, I understand. But Andy Reid is still a pass-first offense, which is what the rest of the league is trying to do. And the rest of the league ends up copying Andy Reid anyway. So Andy Reid really has the common offense in the league. So you really look at the Ravens' offense and what they do with Lamar Jackson and some of those running backs and the option and the quarterback runs, not really throwing the ball because you did have a lack of weapons. This is a vastly different way, I think, that Orlando and Brown is going to be playing what was right tackle and now left tackle. And you know what else it does is it emphasizes that Andy Heck is a good offensive line coach. You know, the struggles the Chiefs have had with offensive line uh, over the years since Andy Reid arrived here, people tend to throw shade at Andy Heck. But I think what it shows, what we have seen from what the Chiefs have done since Andy Reid arrived is that Andy Heck is an outstanding offensive line coach because the Chiefs have not invested a lot of resources into the offensive line. And yet they've been able to get starters out there, some of whom have played very well. I mean, do does Laurent Duvernay-Tardif become a starting NFL player if you don't have a good offensive line coach? No. Does well, Eric Fisher become a, a quality starter in the NFL without a quality offensive line coach? No, he doesn't because he's undersized and, and, and all those things. And Andy Heck has made these guys work. And I think it's important for us to mention that this guy is really a fine coach. Yeah. And the point that isn't talked about as much with LDT and making him into a starter for multiple years is that the Canada rules for offensive line play are different in that I believe the lines are further apart from each other. So in a way, the Canadian game is, is a little bit different. And he was able to develop him into a really reliable starter. Yep. And you talk about Eric Fisher and what he was able to do with Fisher. Fisher and Heck 
had to deal with like 17 different left guards during his tenure here, yeah. and they were able to make it work. Uh, he had a starter in rookie Mitch Morse, and Mitch Morse eventually became the highest paid center in the NFL. And now he has the challenge, I think, of working with Creed Humphrey to get him ready to start at the NFL level by week one. I still think that that's going to happen. A lot of options on the right side, but you're right. I think there are quality enough players with the coaching of heck to feel good about however the right side shakes out. And we even go back to the point I made before about Austin Ryder. You know, right. Austin Ryder was was nobody's draft pick. You know, he came to the Chiefs through multiple practice squads. He'd played on like, what, two, three, four teams before he came to Kansas City. Everybody had given up on this kid. And, you know, he was not a great center last year, but he was a damn good one. Does that happen without Andy Heck being a good offensive line coach? No, it doesn't. So, you know, let's let's get let's stop with the Andy Heck hate. I think this guy has proven that he's the guy the Chiefs need in that job. It's just because the Super Bowl is just such a right big right. game. Yeah. Because you look at that game and it's just before that game, even how often were we talking about the offensive line? We right. weren't. And the only time you're really talking about the offensive line is when it's bad. And they go just about how many different combinations the Chiefs have had there since 2013. And mm -hmm. Heck has done such a good job that even though, yeah, it was a topic of conversation going into the game, I don't think anyone foresaw what was coming. And at that point, we were just down to just too little of quality of talent for what the Bucks offered. And it just ended up being too much. But now he's reloaded. You have no excuses there. If the offensive line underperforms, then okay, maybe we can have a heck conversation. But I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think heck has been a, a damn good coach for the Chiefs. All right, let's continue on and we'll go back to the defensive side of the football. And this is Anthony Hitchens talking about Steve Spagnolo and what they're focusing on in this camp. Yeah, our number one thing right now is uh we fell short in the red zone. Uh Last year, I think we was top 10 the year we won the Super Bowl. And then last year, we were 32nd, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I mean, that's the difference right there. You know, you give three points up, set a seven, that's a four-point swing right there. So, I mean, there was times where teams would get in the red zone three times and score three, uh, three touchdowns. That's 21 points. You know, we can easily cut that in half or less than half. So, um yeah, I just we just working on that right now. We had two red zone days back to back the first two days right off the back. So we working on that, and I think that's our that's like right in our forefront of our mind right now is red zone. I'm sure it's gonna uh, transition to something else as the season gets on. But as of right now, we got to be better in the red zone. A lot of teams that get get down there and and run the similar plays. So we we just need to be smarter. I think that's the word. Uh, we've seen the same plays from week one through the Super Bowl. So uh, we, we, we did our offseason homework. Uh, we know we got some different things now and we're going to improve. And that's our main goal is uh, if they get down there. Hopefully they don't. But if they do give up three and not seven. Yeah, there were sometimes, I think, in recent years, even with moms where the Chiefs seem to be, I think, playing down in a sense to their competition. Like the Panthers come to, come to mind. I think the Panthers were a three-win team. Now, granted, they had Christian McCaffrey for that game and, and pretty much not through the rest of the right. year. So I think right. that is a, right. a part of it. But still, at the same time, the Chiefs are still a better football team than the Carolina Panthers. And it shouldn't be coming down to a final field goal there. And I think some of these problems in the red zone, you know, the Raiders are another team. The Chargers, they had some close games with. I think you, you clean that up a bit and you start to feel better about uh, these, these games. And one point I made today too is let's say you can get better in the red zone. I think it's becoming 
probably the NFL's worst secret that if you're going to beat the Mahomes offense with the Chiefs, you kind of got to go for it on fourth down. So now you're stopping them in the red zone. It's fourth and two at the 18. Maybe a team is more apt to go for it on fourth down. So you might not only just be saving four points versus the field goal, you may be saving seven most times. And that's how quicksand happens for the opposing team. And so this is such a key. And it's good to hear the Chiefs are working on it because they weren't so good at it in 2020. Right. And, and and I think you're making a good point there that because of the Chiefs' offensive prowess with Mahomes, that de- that opposing offenses are taking more shots uh, in those circumstances. It'd be interesting to look at an analysis of that, you know, how that impacted uh, what the Chiefs gave up in the red zone. But, you know, the, the defense was still pretty good last year. Uh, they were in the top 10 uh, in in uh, points allowed, despite being so poor in the red zone. So they actually were doing a pretty good job on the rest of the field. It's just that once the teams got in close, the Chiefs couldn't couldn't hold them to a field goal. But Hitchens is exactly right uh, that if they can just get a few of these drives to end in field goals instead of touchdowns, that have made all the difference uh, in some of those games where the Chiefs could have had easy victories instead of you know having to sweat it out at the end. And we also be easy for a team who had made two straight Super Bowls, won a championship, won all these games in the regular season to come in a little complacent. And you mean, you talk to all these guys and granted they're rolling up some of the higher quality players to the podium, but it just doesn't seem like there's any complacency with any of the success, three straight conference title games, two straight Super Bowls, one title. That's hard to do. I try to remind people that, and they're pretty hungry. I mean, at least in my opinion right now, and this was another example to me. It's like, yeah, you're right. The defense was all right last year, maybe slightly above average, but we want to be a good unit. And I think those words of Tyron Matthew still where they want to be a reason that they win games. That was when Tyron Matthew came to the Chiefs. That was something that he emphasized. That energy is still very much there. Yeah, I agree. All right. Speaking of Tyron Matthew, he deleted a tweet a couple of weeks ago where <laughs> he responded to a fan and said that he did not believe that the team would get the contract extension done. Of course, the media asked him about that in their first opportunity on Thursday. I think uh, first, I you know, I delete a lot of tweets, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, if you know, if I'm if I'm people, if I'm a fan, I wouldn't put too much emphasis, you know, on that. I think. Uh, people that know me, uh, they know where my heart is at. Um, I can't control everything. Um, so for me, it's just all about, you know, just trying my best to kind of focus on the things I can't control. And, uh, you know, that's just coming to work every day, trying to trying to make the dudes around me better. John, I think we're in agreement here. We still think this gets done, right? Before the mm-hmm. season yeah. begins. I think there's still time here. I can't imagine the personnel staff wanting to go into this season with that extension not signed because if you look at the last two second halves, this could have been a defensive player of the year candidate. What if that happens, right? What if Matthew suddenly plays a little bit stronger in the first half, continues doing what he's done in the second half, rips off 11 interceptions, and then was the defensive player of the year and you haven't paid him yet. It's going to cost you a lot more next year. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the price is just going to go up just, just general inflation of NFL salaries. I mean, Joel Corey made the point uh, after that tweet from Tyron that, uh, you know, that, well, in other words, he doesn't want to, the Chiefs don't want to pay him X amount of dollars because this is what another player just got. Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, the Chiefs had a lot of other problems to deal with before uh, they got to that point. 
And there's still plenty of time. You know, all those contracts for Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey last year all happened between mid-July and mid-August. So there's still plenty of time for the Chiefs to put together an extension, but they gotta they gotta prioritize things in the right way. And in the draft, they had to prioritize on that. And you know, now they got these other things to worry about. Now they can concentrate on getting Matthew extended. And uh, so, I, yeah, I agree. I think that we're going to see a contract extension for Matthew uh, this season. I, I think it makes sense from a cap st- standpoint. And I think it makes sense from a team standpoint. Yeah, I, I, I just. Uh, I can't wrap my head around them letting him play on his final year. So yeah, certainly agree. Yeah. Those are the most important quotes from last Thursday's media availability. I'll say it again, go back, listen to from the podium. If you want to hear them in their entirety, when we come back, it's June one. What does that mean for some former chiefs still out there? Stay with us on the Arrowhead pride editors show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, wrapping this show up with June 1, that special date on the NFL calendar. We think things should pick up a little bit again now with the date in the rearview mirror because there's some cap savings that come with June 1. We expect Julio Jones likely to be somewhere, I think, in my opinion, somewhere in the AFC by the time we do another Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. But this is also a date where... It is the compensatory formula, and it does not factor into some of these signings anymore. And that means that there are some riskier moves you can make. And I highlighted five players as of this recording still on the open market that'd be of interest to Chiefs fans. I did not include Le'Veon Bell in this because I think he is seeking uh, a, a position to be a starting running back, and I don't think that's happening with the Chiefs. And so we have... Some other options here. Still on the market right now. Former Chief cornerback Steven Nelson. Offensive tackle Mitch Schwartz. An edge player, formerly with the Indianapolis Colts as well, and Justin Houston. An edge player who was connected to the Chiefs earlier this offseason, Melvin Ingram. And then cornerback Richard Sherman. So certainly some different names. Certainly some interesting names there, John. We'll play a little bit of game here. If you could have one of those players back with the Chiefs, who would it be and why? I think um, Steven Nelson. Ooh. Yeah. And why is that? Well, because this is a place where the Chiefs could use a little more depth at cornerback. Okay. Um, And I don't think they do that by getting Richard Sherman. We've already had... We've already had the Orlando Scandrick thing where we bring in an aging (laughs) cornerback... And uh, we got him too late. You know, Nelson is still relatively young. Uh, He's still got some good seasons in front of him. They got rid of him because strictly because of salary cap issues. I don't think they had any issues with him as a player. Right. I think that was strictly a salary cap thing. You know, uh, unlike Justin Houston, where I think they were trying to move on from Justin Houston. I don't see that that deal happening for that reason. But I don't think that was the case with Steven Nelson. 
So this could be one of those rare circumstances where a player comes back after uh, going to another team in free agency. Um, and he's been, you know, he showed and he had not been very productive for the Chiefs, but he's been pretty productive for the Steelers. Much better player. And I, I think he could he could be helpful for the Chiefs this season. Yeah, there's been some beef, I think, with Steve Nelson and the Chiefs. He really did not like playing for Bob Sutton. I know that the frog T tweet came out when Bob Sutton was finally relieved of his duties with the Chiefs. There's been some disparaging comments between Steve Nelson and fans on Twitter. One of the things he said was he's so happy to be in Pittsburgh because it's the best team he's ever played with. And then the Chiefs go on to win the Super Bowl. So that came back to haunt him. Now things can be reconciled. Look no further than LeBron James, the NBA and that letter that the owner wrote and said, LeBron James will never win a championship. Now LeBron James and Steven Nelson are very different players, right? So if you're going to have a chance to get back, potentially the best player in NBA history, you you kind of throw all those emotions out the window. I hard for me to think Steve Nelson comes back just because I, I'm not sure he's a new culture fit for the chiefs where I do agree with you is that I, I really think the chiefs could stand to have some cornerback help here. You know, you, I think you'd feel a lot better going into the season with a veteran there. And that's why a lot of people have been pushing for Bashad Breeland. I'm not sure right. if either yeah. makes their way back to the chiefs, but that, lead you to believe, okay, they feel comfortable with Jerry Sneed, they feel comfortable with Rashad Fenton, they feel comfortable with what is DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes, who they just acquired, and their safety room. Don't forget, this is a team that uses a lot of those three safety looks, Daniel Sorensen on the field, and hopefully uh, for the defensive staff and Twitter's sake, not Ben Neiman in any capacity this year. I'll choose (laughs) Mitch Schwartz here. I think Justin Houston probably not coming back for the culture fit. I don't think Melvin Ingram is going to accept the compensation that the Chiefs are willing to give. Richard Sherman feels like it would be a little bit more flash than actually reliability. And I'll say Mitch Schwartz because I think he's committed right now to the city of Kansas City. I don't think this is a player who is building a home here, has got on the radio and has been very public about Kansas City being his home, wants to go to another city and play for them. Now, there are some caveats to this. Like I think Schwartz needs to be in a position where he accepts a lot less money. I think he needs to accept the fact that he might not start and be a reserve player because he may end up getting replaced by a younger player in Lucas Niang and may be playing more of a reserve role. If he's cool with all the above, making way less money, probably closer to what would be a minimum after you know making a big contract and being a multiple-time All-Pro and does want to take that hometown discount. Like This is the one player I can think of in the league that would be actually taking more of a hometown discount because of the city of Kansas city than even like a Mahomes style team discount. I think he just really loves the city and there's a lot to love. I mean, I'm, I'm a New Yorker and I really consider this my second home. So I, I can see where the chiefs could work that out. And then all of a sudden you, even if it's a backup player, you have a three time all pro for a discount price. Yeah. And that, that would have been my second choice. Uh, okay. For a player, you know, because, uh, but the, to my way of thinking, though, they've made all these moves on the offensive line, and right. in a lot of ways, Mitchell Schwartz would be in the way. You know, uh, yeah. those are the kinds of moves you make when you are moving on from a player, not uh, you know hoping to bring him back. Where yeah. the cornerback situation is somewhat different. Speaking of of Schwartz, and I, I can't 
say this with absolute certainty because, I mean, you look at some of the rehab photos and videos and it really does seem like he may want to play again. I think it could be a, a plays in Kansas City or he just calls it. I, I think that's where he might be. And there may not be any room at the end in, uh-huh. in a sense. And he yeah. may end up retiring because of that. And I think that's okay. I, I think, I mean, he's had a fantastic career pretty much followed the Joe Thomas thing to a T except he actually played for a winning franchise and has a Super Bowl ring. It's done some work with our partners in 610 sports radio. He does a nice job. Him and his brother do great stuff on Twitter with the offensive line play and whatnot. So, and we know about the cooking chef Schwartz. So, Hey, yeah. if you're not going to play on the, the professional football team, let's open up a restaurant in Kansas city, Mitch. Why don't we do that? But okay, so those, so that's something to watch. Again, June one, I think you'll see a lot of these names starting to come off the board across the league, and these names will, will draw some headlines, which makes the NFL cycle a fifty-two week per year type of league, baby. That's what we love. All right, well that wraps up our, our editor show. I want to remind you guys to please rate and review us coming up tomorrow. It's the Out of Structure podcast with Ron and Matt. They're taking your questions. We have show and bk another from the podium likely coming at you on thursday and then our great british chief show i'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to do an accent again for john dixon i'm pete sweeney thank you for listening to the arrowhead pride editor show 